Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Cage Den. I am Petros Patsilovas and I am watching every single Nicolas Cage film to find out is he the greatest actor of all time or is he just a Neanderthal who deserves to be left in the past. It's been a while since we've been on the Cage train but as there is a UK release of The Crudes, A New Age, it's time to return to Cage and talk about this film. On this episode, I was joined by Super Marcy of the Super Network, a fantastic network of Australian podcasts you really check out. Um, as always, we will be talking about this film in all its gory details. So if you haven't seen it, um, if you're in the UK, head out to cinemas right now, or if you're, I guess, like America and uh, Canada and Australia, you can get this on rental or like, yeah, it's not streaming anywhere that I know of. If it is, uh, there is a handy document in the show notes that will tell you if and where it is streaming. If you want a bit more of this conversation with Marcy as well, we go a bit deeper into Nicolas Cage and talk about her worst ever Nick Cage film. What is the film she detests? that Nick Cage has been in, what is his objective best performance in a film, and which living or dead director would she like to see him work with. You can get that conversation if you head on over to patreon.com forward slash caged in pod, and it's as little as like £2.50, $3 a month to get a whole host of bonus chats, whether it is on the Cage stuff or even the Coppola connections. There's, yeah, plenty of Nick Cage chat to keep your appetite wetted until we get another Nick Cage film, which isn't long. Uh, we have a pig coming out in the UK on the 20th of August, and I'm currently running uh, the Caged In pig cast as well, I'm talking to people who are involved in that film, whether it's behind or in front of the camera. Uh, last Friday, I released an episode with David Nell, who has a 
marquee scene opposite Nick Cage and Alex Wolf playing Chef Finway. So if you've seen the film, definitely check that episode out. If you haven't, it's there waiting for you when that film released. And not blowing my own trumpet, but I think it's a great interview. And I, I kind of like this fact of getting these people who are not the stars. Obviously, I'm aiming to get the stars. Um, yeah. If you know Nick Cage and you listen to this podcast, tell him I would love to speak to him. So all that's left to do is to gather up your family, sleep in a massive pile and look for a new tomorrow as we get raging with Cage. We're back to talk about Nick Cage. So what better than to talk about a belated sequel to an animated film that came out eight years ago? It's time to get to know that prehistoric pack once again with Joe Crawford's The Crudes, A New Age. To join me in the search for tomorrow is writer and podcaster Super Marcy. How are you, Marcy? Hello, doing well. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's 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 an absolute pleasure. I'm glad we could work out like the time zone difference because yeah. it's always been like a hesitation for me. Like there's uh, like when it's like, oh yeah, a podcaster in Australia, and I'm like, does that mean I'm gonna have to get up? super early but this has worked out this has worked out perfectly fine it's actually not too bad yeah yeah yeah. it's like so, it's what evening for you morning yeah. for me yeah this is yeah this is probably the most sprightly i've ever been for this time of the day so, <laughs> um, so as i like to start all of these off um get it straight <laughs> out there are you a nick cage fan not at all. No. Uh, oh, that's yeah. the podcast's over. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am unashamedly a big Nick Cage fan. There's no shame to be had. What is it about no. Cage that kind of like, I don't know, <clears throat> excites you, like keeps you coming oh. back for more? Well, he does excite me because he's <laughs> Nicolas Cage. He's that unique man <laughs> that, uh, I don't know. There's just. I guess there's always been kind of an allure about Nick Cage because growing up, like, seeing the stuff in the 90s and, and that, he's, like, so different in every movie. Yeah. And a lot of those films were so much fun, even if they were different from each other, like whether it was the action ones or the comedies. And I think that appeal was that he was always so different, playing so many different characters, but he, like, manages to fully immerse himself in these roles. So he's so, I think, different. <laughs> you get you get a, a lot of different stuff with Nick Cage, even if some of it might be the, sta- the, the, the same, it's still <laughs> very different. Yeah. And uh, I guess growing up I probably had the hots for him. Maybe <laughs> I still... Don't worry. But who doesn't? Yeah, he's, we're, yeah. He's, 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 got, he's got that kind of like... Um... I don't know charismatic charm that like mm. I guess some I guess a lot of people would say like he's unconventionally attractive but I think he like yeah. he's he's I don't know he's got an allure to him certainly um there is something very <laughs> appealing about him I I guess it's like there's so, like there, there's that bad boy thing that you know that like on a whim he'll buy a castle and a dinosaur skull yeah. like if he fancies it and it's like something yeah. dangerous and mysterious about that um yeah 
What, Absolutely. What are your views on the kind of like <coughs> Nikonnaissance that we're having recently? Like, it it kind of seems to be like yeah. out of it straight to VOD slump and mm. kind of back into the mainstream. Are you excited about seeing like a, a oh, new yeah. age of Cage? Look, I don't think he's really stopped. I think the yeah. VOD was just, you know, paying the bills but still (laughs) even if they were crap there's still something there that's watchable but he's making the really interesting and unexpected choices with his roles like he will go from you know what we've seen in Mandy to the wackiness of Willy's Wonderland and I'm all here for it yeah yeah, yeah. well I recently got so exciting I recently got in like a kind of um, Twitter debate with someone because they mm. they like, they made the claim that um, mm. a lot of Nick Cage fans say that he never misses, that he never like phones it in, which like I think, mm. I don't think any Nick Cage fan is, is saying that. Like, what are your opinions no. on like the fact that like, I don't know, I, I think that's what makes him exciting, right? Is that he's this infallible, he's not infallible, he's kind of, he can, he can do wrong and like, that's what's yeah. exciting about a Nick Cage film, right? I, I feel like Nick Cage doesn't give a shit if it's good <laughs> or bad. And he's he his stuff is so divisive. Like something I might personally love that he's done, mm-hmm. someone else will absolutely hate. Yeah, yeah. And it could be for the same reasons that I love it that they hate it or anything. Like I could absolutely love something for completely different reasons to what you love something for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like yeah, he like I said, like he has had really shit films. Yeah, yeah. But and at least he tries to do something. Yeah, that that there. I, I guess yeah. there's like a handful of ones where it's like he's just turned up for the paycheck, and mm. I, th- I think like Left Behind is a prime example of that. Like, yeah, you you could have a cardboard cutout of Nick Cage, and it would probably be mm. just as effective as mm. the man himself in that role. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Which I don't like things to my fear. I, I I've always said about that film. It's like he's scared about like the uh, the fans of like the book and that because obviously it's like mm. a religious film and stuff like that. He's like, mm. am I going to upset the Christians by going full Nick Cage in this movie? Yeah. Um, so let's find out what was the first Nick Cage film you remember seeing. That's tough. I'm not a hundred percent sure what it could have been. Like I obviously have like, you know, those memories of the Conairs and Conairs, Con Air face <laughs> off the rock, that kind of mid-90s, but I'm sure there would have been something before that. And I'm really trying to think of what it might have been. Oh, I mean, the man has had been in so much stuff <laughs> but what could it have possibly it i don't want to say it was one of those because i know there was something earlier than that but i can't i can't quite remember i'm just trying to look back and think what would i have seen back before then uh you know what it could have been something like guarding tests around that era oh. would have been yeah, that, as a kid, and that's Something like a like that. I think that's a real vanilla, like kind of <laughs> Nick Cage film, right? That's kind of a bit like I don't know, quite quite. I from yeah, I've only ever watched it the once. I found it like 
mm. quite a boring, laborious task to get through it. It's <laughs> like it's not really like the the um, the calling card for Nick Cage. Really, it kind mm. of feels like I don't know. Especially it's around a time that like he had he'd mm. already put out Wild at Heart and was on the precipice of yeah. becoming this. 90s action star um yeah it's kind of one of those in-between movies but I do have memories of seeing that but I think more the attention was coming in with like uh I think I might have seen Con Air first or Face Off I can't remember quite which one what was it about those those would have been yeah what was it about those two that kind of made you think like were you when you saw like Conair and Face Off, were you like, mm. I'm in now? I'm like a Nick Cage yeah. fan, or was it a slow burn to become a Nick oh, Cage? Oh no, fan? it was immediate. <laughs> Those two films were so much fun, and I would just watch them like constantly. And I might have been 12 ish <laughs> when they came out. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. I forget how old I am. So <laughs> who knows? I could have been older, younger, Lord knows. But yeah, I'd watch it all the time, and they were just so much fun. And then it was kind of discovering like more Nick Cage films and that's when I kind of saw the earliest stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think that's kind of when um, kind of as I knew more about him, he was kind of like a pretty big star. Mm-hmm. That's when it kind of comes in like, oh, you know, he's a popular. It's like, oh, shit, okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, that that, that that's always like the amount of people who, say to me like why or like yeah why are you now looking at the coppola family i'm like well nick cage is a part of them it's like i need to Mm -hmm. i want to understand him a bit better by understanding his family like well how Mm. did how did this kind of i don't know weird anomaly of nepotism and kind of like just so many talented people in this one family um yeah so what yeah is there any standout films from that kind of his early films that like once you started diving back in you were like uh, like I can see the guy. Do you know what I mean? I, I I can see the the seeds of the guy we eventually get. Nick Cage. It would have been Wild at Heart, definitely, mm-hmm. because that was kind of around, you know, kind of high school ish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going down that whole like learning about David Lynch and stuff. So it was obviously through wanting to discover David Lynch. I'm like, oh, Nicholas Cage is in a David Lynch movie. But seeing that film, his performance, I was like, holy shit, it's so fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... Like, I don't know what the fuck he's doing half <laughs> the time, but it's brilliant and I love it. And there was pretty much no turning back. Like, Vampire's Kiss is insane. But something like um, is it Peggy Sue Got Married is, yeah. again, it's so fucking different, but he's great in it. <laughs> it... And even... um rumblefish mm-hmm. as well with like um oh, who's the star Ma- of that movie Ma- matt dylan and mickey rook yeah yes my head's gone blank no. but um yeah you know things like that with the smaller roles and then you know what was coming out then like it was just he was popping up everywhere there's suddenly yeah. oh his snake eyes and it's like oh, yeah that wasn't too bad eight millimeter well that was fucked up yeah, yeah, He's yeah. bringing out the dead well holy shit dude <laughs> Like, wow. I always, like, mention on this podcast that, like, I find it crazy of all of the, like, absolutely, like, uh, iconic directors that Nick Mm. Cage has worked with. And it seems interesting because a lot of them, it's like they're 
quote unquote like in between films. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. bringing out the dead that like it yeah. doesn't kind of get brought up in the Martin Scorsese conversation. Yeah, and even like yeah. uh, a Peggy Sue got married. It's like mm. when people think of Francis Ford Coppola, yeah. they'll, they'll lean more towards that that like seventies run of the mm. the two Godfathers, the conversation and mm. Apocalypse Now. Whereas like mm. by the time you get to Peggy Sue got married, people are like. Uh, yeah, like we don't, we don't, we don't talk about that. Mm. And, but, but what's really interesting about Cage, spe- specifically in that film, and kind of, there's a few films around the eighties where it's like he's making choices. Like mm. he, do you know what I mean? He's like he. You can tell even from that age, he's like, yeah, I've got, I've got a vision of who this character is. And Peggy mm. Sue got married is a prime example with that like voice yeah. he insisted on doing throughout the whole mm-hmm. film. <laughs> And whatever voice he was doing in Vampire's <coughs> Kiss, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it, but I don't know. Um, it's so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I could talk about Vampire's Kiss for absolute days. I'm a, I'm a massive... Oh, um, me too. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a massive <laughs> defender for that film, even though I don't, I don't personally feel like it needs defending because it is. Yeah, I... I get what you I get what you mean. Like I did have that whole discussion on a podcast. Did we do what do we do? I think we talked about Vampire's Kiss and Willy's Wonderland as like the double bill. Mm-hmm. And I had all these interesting things to say. And I'm like, it makes such a good light double feature with American Psycho. Yeah, that that, that and I still been... stand by that and I think like that's the natural one. Yeah. There's like a kind of it's like that perfectly talk like we're going to be talking about mm. the crudes but like you look at that, that like evolution of man it's like you've got peter low mm. and then like the next evolutionary mm. step is um uh christian bale's character patrick bateman yeah. in yeah american and then and then even like i think it was like last year there was that uh joe keery film spree and then that feels like a kind of another evolution of that for like the the next generation do you know what i mean like mm. the kind of gen z streaming generation of like here's your new sociopath who's like yeah. obsessed with themselves and just wants fame and money mm. or whatever um so which yeah. is your favorite nick cage film i know it's it's gonna be a hard one it's gonna be like picking your favorite child but which which is your favorite yeah. nick cage um film? all of them um <laughs> uh Jeez, I it's so hard. <laughs> like, do I say Con Air just out of being it sentimental? Like, I mm. don't know. What what would I really pick? It's so hard. I haven't seen Pig yet, and I could pick that. Yeah, that's... you know. I mean, you know, more recently, like obviously, everybody does talk about Mandy in the Color Out of Space, like mm-hmm. amazing shit. Um. But you know what? I said wild at heart. So let's just say wild at heart. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, what, what, you, know what? Yeah. you, you touched on wild at heart um, slightly. Like mm. what, what is it about that film that kind of like stands out to be like your favorite? Like, yeah. Before, is it, is it I perf- think his it, performance or the, the film as I a think whole? It's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's the whole film, like the chemistry. Yeah between him and Laura Dern is just so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the way it's like kind of fairy tale story is told through the weird lens of David Lynch and Cage just goes with it in that film and the whole thing with the snakeskin jacket, I fucking love it so much. Yeah. I, um, 
I was going to attempt to do like a, <laughs> a Nicade pressure, but I'm like, no, I'm not doing it. It's so bad. But yeah. no, I guess that would, yeah, I'd say that because it, I guess, I guess like um, Con Air or something, there's a lot of sentimental yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff with that film. But yeah, if, if I had to choose Wild at Heart. I'm I, I, I'm always glad that I'm, I'm asking these questions instead of answering them because like, being entrenched in Nick Cage, my answer will probably change like every half hour or like I'll just be a yeah, smart... I'm expecting I'll come back to this and go, no, I think I'm going to pick something else. <laughs> I, yeah, I, like, I, I always like feel like sometimes I, I just want to be a little bit of a smart ass as well. I'm like, oh, let, let's say Red Rock West because it's like one that nobody's ever heard of like or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Talk about ridiculous. like... Yeah, talk about like the... The, the undiscovered gems so <laughs> we've we've established you're a nick cage fan we've established which yeah. is your favorite nick cage film let's talk about his new movie the croods 2 yes my name's eep Biggest star. It's news. and we're the world's first family the croods <laughs> another glorious morning dad always says the pack stays together that's my girl. Seatbelt mode. Now we're searching for a perfect place to call home. What the heck is that? It's the end of the world. Well, that's it for me. I'm glad it's you, Chunky. Strange how this food grows in perfectly straight. Oh, genius. I thought cave people died off years ago. We happy meet you. Thanks. Oh. We are the, the Bettermans. Better man? Emphasis on the better. <laughs> Is that your home? Kind of big, isn't it? Hey, girl. Another teenage girl. Yeah? A girl. Friend! I've never had a girlfriend before. Me neither, me neither. What do we do? What do we say to each other? What's happening to our voices? <laughs> I don't know if cave people belong in a modern world. What's your problem, big guy? This place is changing everyone. And we really need to limit Thunk's window time. Not now, Douglas. The birds are on. In my day, we didn't stare at birds. We fought them. Let me live my life. Whoa, what's that? It's just a scar. Every mark is an adventure. And my dad doesn't even know about this one. Whoa, peanut toe. <laughs> You're not allowed outside the wall? Nope. This farm is like your cave. You're just like me. I feel like taking chances. So what was it that made you pick The Crude 2 to come talk about, apart from my um, uh, tweet just saying, like, can somebody come talk about this movie? Were you a fan <laughs> of the original? I really didn't mind it. I thought it was a pretty fun movie, and I was very excited that Mr. Cage was voicing, you know, the dad character in the family. Mm -hmm. um, so I did already uh, see it, but I, this the second one, 
um, but I've rewatched it in prep again. Uh, but I think it's actually a really fun follow-up, like a really good follow-up. I think it's very solid. And um, I actually really like what, like everyone brought to the table mm-hmm. with their their voice work and the animation work. But I, I particularly think I liked the uh, the two dads interacting. I mm-hmm. think it was great. So let's talk about some stats on this. You talked about like the voice cast. So this mm. is, as I said, directed by Joel Crawford. It's written by Kevin Hagman, uh, Dan Hagman, and Paul Fisher. And stars, the the cast list for this is absolutely stacked, right? So we, mm-hmm. the man himself, Nick Cage as Grug, Emma Stone as Eat, Ryan Reynolds as Guy, Catherine Keener as Ugga, uh, Cloris Leachman as Gran, Clark Duke as Funk, Leslie Mann as Hope Betterman, Peter Dinklage as Phil Betterman, Kelly Marie Tran as Dawn Betterman, and it kind of like yeah, <laughs> that 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 is a pretty stacked cast, right? We got kind yeah. of like some amazing character actors, and I think that's mm. what that's what's really exciting about this. The both of these films, I remember like the first one, I kind of slept on it for so long, and the fact like mm. I just didn't watch it, and then like when it when it got around to covering it on the podcast, I like I was like wow that cast is pretty like pretty amazing and it, i think yeah. it's even more amazing so now that like i don't know that <laughs> that not only did they like the original cast like oh we're up for doing it they yeah. managed to like r- like get peter dinklage and like leslie mann and kelly yeah. marie tran in as well it got it it, it, do- yeah. it could have so easily have been i don't know like have like straight to straight to video mm. vibes but it, it, it doesn't mean it to doesn't do it. yeah yeah i don't think it did at all <laughs> so um i always like to ask people uh to give a brief synopsis about the film uh do you mind telling us what this film is about uh, i'll do my best <laughs> but uh, our, our family unit from the first film they i guess they stumble upon a new area which is kind of fenced off so they go through the fence but there's a new kind of family who know guy they were like his previous family and then having two different families from two different worlds causes all sorts of mischief and mayhem until there's a monster <laughs> that's and a- that's my really good synopsis so let, let, let let's <laughs> talk about the opening because like opening to this we start with a flashback of mm. Goes back to the first one. Uh, well, gu- well, guys' parents like dying in like a a tar pit, basically. Like, yeah. What are your thoughts on that opening and kind of like it's a pretty dark place to start for what is yeah. extensively a kids' movie, right? For generally, what is like a very light-hearted <laughs> film, but it is very <laughs> kind of sad and tragic, and you can really feel sorry for guy. Even if he's a bit of a, you know, crazy boy. Mm-hmm. What, <laughs> one of the things I got from, like, this, in um, the intro in this film, especially when we get them, like, the introduction to the crew and them riding around on their massive, like, mm. multicoloured tiger. <laughs> yeah. Is it felt like, I don't know, it had, like, a Guardians of the Galaxy vibe to me. Mm. And that might be because it's got that, like, partridge family. I think I love you like needle drop mm. in that it yeah. kind of like 
and like it, it, it utilizes like kind of um slow motion and like freeze frame and stuff like that mm. and it's kind of like it feels like a, a a great way to like reintroduce us to those characters yeah right and yeah as you mentioned we get that um like that overlapping of the first we almost get a recap of the first film mm. right yeah so we cut yeah it kind of cuts back to like what's happened which it focuses on that relationship with mm-hmm. guy and eep yeah i'm so bad with the character names because <laughs> they, they're like sounds and i keep forgetting who's who um but it's very sweet and you know that they like kind of got together he joined their pack and now you're seeing the pack still kind of has a few problems because dad doesn't quite accept guy yet well yeah obviously like his whole thing is and i think that the thing that the first film dealt with was grug's unwillingness mm. to accept the future and like mm. whereas i don't know i think of this one thematically I got like some, it, it felt like it was very lightly dealing with like the idea of like gentrification and kind of like, um, l- like, yeah, people like coming in and like not, not, not ruining the old world, but like, mm. I don't know, we get it with that kind of like B plot with the punch monkeys and like it turns out that like Phil Betterman has come in with his like mm. wants to make his thing better so essentially stealing their water which has stopped Mm. them from being able to have like bananas and stuff like that Mm. and and yeah it deals with deals with this thing of class which i think is like Mm. interesting in a kid's movie it kind of subtly does it where it's like obviously the bettermans like think they uh, like to them they Mm. know they are better than than the crudes and like kind of lord it about them flip-flopping about in their like yeah flip-flops and they've got all their gizmos and gadgets of of the new age um so what do you let's talk about the voice cast like individually like we'll we'll get to cage eventually but let's talk Mm. about the new additions what what do you think of peter dinklage leslie mann and kelly marie tran in this film i thought they were all really good i actually really enjoyed what they brought to, you know, these new characters and how they kind of portrayed them. And Peter Dinklage was so good. (laughs) Every time the character of Phil is on, it's just so funny. He has like the right kind of, it's the right interactions with everyone. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's the same with Leslie Mann. Yeah. And because she has like such a distinct voice, you just know it's her. And it's so hard to, like, not picture it as being her, but you know it's her. <laughs> but she's so good. I think she's so great when she does, like, voice work. She's so good and absolutely loved Kelly Marie Tran. I mean, I, I haven't seen Raya, but mm-hmm. I've heard very good things about her work in that as well. Um, but I thought she was wonderful as uh, the daughter Dawn. Yeah. And I, I have to say the on the nose naming of Betterman. <laughs> like it's just it's not subtle at all. Oh, and no. it's amazing. I, I that I loved with this too. Yeah. But yeah. uh the Bettermans were freaking awesome. I I really did enjoy what they brought with the characters and I enjoyed the characters. They were really freaking good and funny and 
they had their emotional moments. It was great stuff. One of the things I've seen like leveled at this in regards to criticism is a lot of people is, mm. is, is people saying that like mm. this is one of those cases like that happens a lot in animation is mm. that there are clear jokes that are aimed specifically at an adult audience and it feels mm. like the rest of it like it, all the spectacle and the color is there for the kids like mm. what are your views on that kind of like are you yeah, on films doing that is it is it a cop out in some way? Like, yeah, what what do you think of that kind of? Actually, I think it depends on the film and how they kind of portray kind of the adult jokes. Mm-hmm. Like, they're all definitely there, but a joke of something like having the name Betterman, mm-hmm. I think even a very young kid can kind of get what they're going for. Yeah. So I think something in that way, like at least like kids are going to kind of get an inkling about it yeah and the adults are going to be like oh yeah (laughs) the clever one but I I don't necessarily think this one was too packed with though like more specific kind of grown-up humor I guess yeah I I guess like kind of more level-headed where the jokes could kind of translate easily enough for its audience but i guess that's just maybe how i saw it mm-hmm. but other other animation other animated films definitely have a lot of that and it's very on the nose yeah and maybe too grown up for kids to understand but i think at least in this context like i think you kind of get the point in a way i i think what this film does really well in in its kind of jokes and stuff like that is manages to eke out some more jokes in a kind of really well-trodden path mm. of that like a a group coming into like a new situation and kind of mm. being their eyes open to something or like very very it's very thinly veiled like gags that like talk about nowadays mm. as well like we've got funk and his obsession with the yeah. window and stuff like that and it's that yeah. stuff like it doesn't become like tiresome and stuff like that and i think like no what not at all. what this yeah. film has going for it massively is the fact that you do have these really charismatic and like mm. seasoned character actors mm. that are doing doing the voices um uh what yeah one of the things i really wanted to talk about is your thoughts on the kind of this film to me like has very like again it's it's i think it's done well because it's quite subtle but like and, and again mm. doesn't feel forced but like mm. the the feminist messaging in this because obviously we get mm. this whole like subplot where the the mm. men are the ones who have been kidnapped and kind of yeah being taken to the punch monkeys and then it is it is put upon the the, the group of women and even then yeah. like the one man they have with them or the male character they have with them is funk mm. and he is for all intents and purposes useless, useless? yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> and we, we get we get introduced to um the the greatly named uh thunder sisters mm-hmm. which is yeah again like like fantastic yeah what are your views on this kind of um feminist messaging we get in the crew yeah no I definitely picked up on it and I actually found that to be kind of a lot of fun because it does mix up 
the usual tropes where it's the guys that have been kidnapped and the girls have got to like sort out their kind of issues and come together mm-hmm. and you know and you know to end up saving the day and I like that it kind of changes that up and it makes it a very natural thing um you know and where if you've got the uh the I always forget I've got the Leslie Mann character um uh, I forget the freaking character's name Leslie Mann is Hope Betterman. That's right. <laughs> so, you know, Hope kind of is very hesitant to, you know, because she finds the crudes as very crude, obviously. And this is kind of her lesson to be like, not everything you're doing is really even necessary. Mm-hmm. You can get along with people that are different than you. So that kind of general message Whereas she's now the fish out of water where this is kind of their territory. Yeah. And once she kind of then unleashes, she sleeps in the pile, her hair goes crazy. She becomes so much more accepting and, you know, then the girls kind of band together and they have their little moments. I thought it was so well done. So cute as well. Like they had the little kind of like names and I just thought it was really well done it was well handled it's not like on the nose kind of in your face like feminism it's it's just there because and it does work for the story it allows you know the girl characters to grow Mm -hmm. but it also with what they're going through it allows like the the dads and guy to kind of grow and work out their problems as well so I thought it really you know, it worked in in the story that it's telling. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think it if like I, I definitely think it, it passes the Bechdel test in that like there are there are like many female characters. They all have names, and I'm pretty sure they talk about something other than the men at some point. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like even though that is their key objective of 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 the film and. With the Thunder Sisters, we get that kind of like this great performance from Cloris Leachman where she kind of just gets to go like wild, whether it's like Yeah. Like when like when you're not sure if she's asleep and she's got her eyes wide open just going <laughs> Or like we get this like what 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 the characters assume is this babble of a senile old woman about this yeah. uh, almost like Amazonian warrior tribe. Um it all it all turns out to be true and we get that reveal that not only has mm. she got like well we, it, it felt i thought this just could be a throwaway joke when um i think she's mm. at a dinner table at one point and we see that she's got some kind of like rat beast living on her head mm. and then yeah it turns out that it's wigasus like goes off and does yeah. her bidding for her um and yeah we get this amazing like so what I love, there's something about the soundtrack anyway, because it's done by like Mark Mothersbaugh from Devo and like scored a load of Wes Anderson stuff. But we mm. get, we get Haim doing the thunder, uh, feel the thunder, like the, the thunder sisters tune. I'm just going to play a little bit. because mm. I think it's, it's a super fun little track. It's good. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> 
So what did you think about the music in this film? Like, uh, do we, like, I know sometimes like in animation, like it can, it can really sell a film and especially in comedy, like it can mm. float into the background. But what did you think of Mark Mothersbaugh's uh, soundtrack for The Croods? I actually really liked it. I thought like the music suited like every scene pretty well. And when yeah. we did have like the songs come in, it was the right kind of song in the right kind of moments and it really just worked well together. Mm-hmm. But I definitely actually really liked and enjoyed the score and specifically that for the Thunder Sisters. It's so epic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it kind yeah, of feels... I, it was just sitting there like, you know, bopping around, dancing. It's like, it's such a fun tune. But I think like, yeah, I think they actually hit most of the notes pretty well because it really flowed. yeah. It's like, like in a really good way. Like that's probably the best way I can describe it, but it just works. Well, I think it's that thing that like I watched it in the cinema last night and like mm. I didn't notice it. And I think like that is sometimes like a true test of a score is like is it, mm. it's it's obviously helping like the scene progress and like kind of mm. make it like helping you emote or kind of like t- like giving you hints at what's going on. But it's not like I'm like it's not overtly like here is the score like do you know what I mean here mm. it is here's the music yeah I, I i thought that was a an absolute like great, great little touch to the film um mm. so is there any specific scenes that you would like to like talk about with this is there like certain scenes that like stood out to you marcy i loved the scenes with um Grog and Phil, mm-hmm. their banter had like <laughs> I think it was so well done. I don't know if they did their voices separately or if they were in the same room, but whatever the case, like it just worked so well. It's just so it was so entertaining. Where I'm sitting here going, I need my Nicolas Cage and Peter Dinklage buddy cop movie now. Yes, please. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That um. I think kind of their heart to heart where they kind of have that realization of like, did we just become best friends? Yup. <laughs> that whole scene. I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. Uh, as well as I guess the Thunder Sisters uh, sequence, which is awesome as well. Yeah. They become the banana bros, right? They're like, this yes. kind of, they're, they're both obsessed I with bananas. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's adorable. this film, like, I guess we should kind of talk about the fact that, like, when this came out in America, like, during November, I think, last year, it was, like, reported at the time that, like, obviously there was all this talk throughout the pandemic of, like, what's going to be the movie to, like, save cinema, essentially. Mm. And when this opened, it had, like, a staggeringly good opening weekend, like, uh, and I think, yeah, from like a six. People just wanted something to see. <laughs> exactly. Do. So, yeah, it was a. Why not see a fun family film? It was a $65 million budget with a hmm. $191.2 million return. That's which is not too bad. It's not, yeah, it, it's not too bad at all, especially for like a film that very much, like a lot of the reviews I've read for this are like, did we need this? Like, what? Like, was yeah, anyone was anyone calling out for the Croods too? Especially after like a, a belated sequel. But then I guess that's discounted the fact that like 
the crude has like lived on TV, I mm. think, like ever since, or like at least for mm. like a few seasons. It's like a kind of like crude animated TV show. So, yeah, yeah. Like, but I think I feel like the first film was pretty popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely for at least you know a few years afterwards, and it's still you know on rotation, and you still hear about it. And it's like I, I, you know, when I saw it, I thought, oh, they're surely got to do a sequel. It's pretty, you know, fun and enjoyable. <laughs> And then, you know, eventually we did. I was like, is it too late? No, I still enjoyed the shit out of this movie. I don't really care what anyone says. <laughs> so, what, yeah, what, like, um, oh, duh, 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 sorry, I'm so hot. My mind just went blank. Uh, duh, duh, duh. So, obviously, this <laughs> film, like, I think it had a lot of, like, production issues, like, with kind of, like, they were planning a sequel. I think the original mm. director, Kirk D'Amico, was set to come back, didn't come back, like, and I think it's kind of been kicking about, and like, mm. it was like initially slate. It's like one of those ones that, like, like even, I think even when I found out it was coming out, like it's like it's coming out in twenty twenty. I was like, until I see the until I see a trailer, like I'm not I'm not mm. quite convinced that this is this mm. is actually happening. And I know that um, Cat Dennings was originally supposed to voice the character of Dawn as opposed to mm. Kelly Marie Tran, um, which I don't know, I guess would have been different. Like, Very I, I, different, I, I think. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I like what uh, Kelly Marie Tran did. Um, so let's talk about the animation and specifically the character design on these weird and wonderful animals that mm. we get in this film. What, what do you, yeah, what, what do you think about the, the animation in this film? I think much like the first one, like, at least the human design, the crudes, it's it's so wacky. Mm-hmm. It's like this very weird kind of vision of like the top heavy. Yeah. And at least when I first saw it, it took me a bit to get used to it. But by now <laughs> it's like, that's how they look. It's all good. But the, the creature designs are so insanely unique. Yeah. Those wolf spiders, it made me like spiders. If they were- <laughs> I like kind of the weird inventive things of, um, you know, p- kind of putting hybrid animals together, like the, there was a hippopotamus crocodile or something in there. Yeah. And the really cat, they have, I can't remember its name. I, but it, they, I thought they're really, really interesting and intriguing. Like there's something interesting to look at. It's like, what is this? I don't know. <laughs> well, I think like the first film, this is like, you cannot deny how like, visually exciting this is and like Mm. they kind of like just get the paint pots out really throw them Mm. on the screen and it's it's just got this like i don't know beautiful technicolor Mm. to it that it's very very colorful it kind of has that transition of kind of the wizard of oz type approach Mm -hmm. with the dark and dreary then they find this new place oh it's all vibrant and colorful I thought that worked really well because when you see this new place with all, it's so colourful and so intriguing. You're like, what are all these foods? Why are they so big? What are these animals? <laughs> <laughs> I think an animal that really stood out for me is uh, it's kind of like woolly mammoth cows. I think they call them. Yeah, like- I was thinking that. It was, uh, I don't know what they called them, mammoth cows or something. No, they called them like uh, woolly moomoths or something like that. Something, something, something funny, <laughs> but they were so cute. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. I, 
and it ad- really adds to this. I don't. It kind of makes you feel like. I, I guess nobody's probably calling for this to be a trilogy, but like there is something <laughs> exciting about like the this weird and wonderful world they've created, and you can tell yeah. like from the anime standpoint, they probably had like mm. a lot of fun. Like they're kind of like mm. we'll get the story go, we'll get the story like done, and then like have have fun. And there are animated sequences in this. Like I think like that one where they are going through eating stuff. Like Yeah. It's just so fun. Like just kind of It's so like crazy. Mm-hmm. But it works. It's I love how over the top like the characters' mannerisms are. And then they're like, Oh, what's this feeling? You're full of food. <laughs> That kind of like uh slump ending is great. Well, we get that moment. We get mo- like the moment, and it's like the camera, like obviously it's animated. There is no camera, but yeah. like it's, it's, <laughs> you still get the effect of a camera, and it's like the camera spinning round, and it keeps changing, like who yeah. who's doing it, or like people like biting in stuff, and it's got this like yeah, it almost like harkens back to like psychedelic animation throughout this, as this kind of like very psychedelic feel to it especially like this kind of mm. breaking through from the from yeah. the gray world into this bright mm. and vibrant world and yeah it's yeah. like I, I i i love that it kind of um i don't and, and as i said like that 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 the way the title sequence is done where like mm. the crudes and new ages actually within the environment that they are in mm. i thought it was like a really effective way and it I don't know. It doesn't feel like a minute of this film is kind of wasted. I never found oh, myself really? looking at my watch going like, this is overly yeah. long. Like, I know, I know we're living in a time when like, what is it? Space, like another belated sequel, uh, Space Jam, A New Legacy pushes mm. two hours running time. Whereas this is kind mm. of an hour and 35 minutes. We're out. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of like. Yeah. <laughs> it, it goes through really quickly, which I think, I think that's a sign that there's it's at least an entertaining movie, if yeah. anything else. <laughs> um, is there any like issues you have like with this film? Is there any kind of like bugbears you have? It's hard to say because I actually just really enjoyed it. Like, I, <laughs> you know, it's hard to say. Like, you know, it's not a perfect film by any means. But for me, I don't think a film really needs to be perfect for you to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I had fun with everything. Like maybe there could have been extra development bits here and there. It sort of feels a little bit rushed at parts, but it's hard to really fault something when you just actually just have fun and enjoy it. Yeah. You yeah. know, it, it feels like it, it doesn't really affect how my enjoyment of the film was, I guess. So I've really like had like a new appreciation for like, animated films especially like kids films mm. like since becoming a parent i'm like mm. like especially something like this i'm like i can't wait to watch it like with my son like when he's like mm. kind of old enough and excited about it and stuff like that mm. and i guess one of the themes throughout this and the first one maybe n- not so much um i don't know th- yeah I, I, I guess this one deals with it but like the kind of like father daughter relationship in the first one mm. is like 
that is kind of like the linchpin of the story and him accepting. Mm. And I guess it's kind of carried on over to this one, but it's more about Yeah, because the... it's sort of like um, they're ready to kind of live by themselves now. Yeah. And he feels like he's going to lose his daughter and yeah. how dare he take her away. <laughs> Meanwhile, he forgets he's got another daughter. Yeah, that is a kind of, yeah. That, is a, that very much felt a bit sequel baity to me, being like, yeah, it's going to be the, I don't know, the, the, the dawn of, um, oh, God, what is her name? I can't remember the little girl's name. Yeah. But Sandy, Sandy, Al. that's it. Sandy, who is yeah. who is voiced by um, <laughs> Kaylee Crawford, who I'm assuming is the director's daughter. I imagine that's probably how that works. <laughs> but I like how kind of at, at the end where it's like they're moving out, but they're literally just across the little bridge, and he's sobbing and crying. It's so <laughs> funny. I love it. <laughs> just the way he like portrays that. It's just so perfect. So, so I guess the person one we of these gags we haven't spoken about throughout this <laughs> is Nicolas Cage. What did, what did you make? Yeah. What do you make of Nicolas Cage's voice performance in this? I thought he was awesome. I loved it. He, I don't feel like he phoned this in at all, and I don't think he did with the first film either. I think there's kind of a fondness for the character. But I feel like he had fun doing it because it's just so enjoyable. There's so much inflection in his voice that, to me, it's he's not just saying lines. He's actually putting a lot into it. And as I said, like, the the banter between the fathers works so well. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I think he's a fairly strong presence in the film. Yeah, Like I think Krog is a very kind of funny character, but I really like um, how he sort of takes that approach as a voice actor. And I'd love to see him do more uh, voice work because I think he just nails his character perfectly. It's just so good. Well, yeah. He's believable as a big oaf kind of caveman dad. <laughs> well, if you look at the kind of voice acting he's done, so it's, it's well, more so in... It seems to be like the last four or five years mm. with Teen Titans go to the movie. He obviously finally got to mm. voice um, Superman. Yeah. Spider-Man into Spider-Verse. Again, like fantastic casting. And like the original one of these, and like, like you said, I think Cage's like performance in this, he captures this great sweetness to the character mm. and like this innocence. But like, yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't, for one minute, sound like he's phoning it in. He sounds like nice. he's having fun. He sounds like he's, mm. he sells the character really well, and he kind of it's got the perfect amount of like kind of like bombastic like cagesms mm. of him like going like it gives him yeah license to to shout, but yeah. it's, it's never too much. It's never yeah. It, it doesn't feel like get like I don't know that they're, they're letting him off the leash. They're very much mm. like no, we've got a tight grip on this. Like we've hired you for a reason. Mm. And like we're gonna we're we're gonna dial back like the the mm. the the crazy like volcano eruption that Cage can yeah. give. When when he needed to kind of turn it up, he does mm-hmm. and it works. But I just I really think like he brings a lot to this character and it feels like 
you know, there is a, like I said, there is a fondness there. Mm-hmm. But I, overall, I just found it really enjoyable. And I think he really helps make that character enjoyable. And his arc in this, I think, is a good one. Especially, like, he, again, his interactions with the um, the Betterman family. Yeah. But again, give me my Nick Cage and Peter Dinklage movie already. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> hey, before before we start to wrap this up as well, I guess yeah, like the other the other members of the cast we kind of didn't really speak about. I don't know. Mm. I think I think what this film does really well is it gives everyone their chance to shine. Like exactly. It, it very much feels like an ensemble piece. Like mm. the first one, like very much felt like it was. Emma Stone and Nick yeah. Cage's film, like because it was kind of mm. those two butting heads. Whereas this, mm. like the 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 one who probably gets the shortest shrift is Clark Duke because his character is very much just there for the occasional like joke and stuff like that. Whereas everyone else mm. like has this arc, like do you know what I mean? Mm. And there's kind of there's conflict coming from all different angles, uh, yeah, and, and with different characters, and it's like the the interplay between them we get that we get that great scene where it all comes to a four mm. at at the dinner table where we get mm. yeah so and i guess that scene's a great one to talk about um emma stone and ryan reynolds like um how do you think they do in this i think they're fine like it pretty much just carries over from the first one as yeah. well and it feels like again they kind of really know these characters and they just kind of slide into those roles. But I think they definitely bring a lot of, like, charisma to it. Um, and it's hard to picture, like, any other voices. Like, I think they're those characters. And uh, for me, it works really well. And I, I think actually everyone was pretty damn solid in the film. And like you said, it's more ensemble this time. So everyone kind of does something and they interact with each other and, um I don't think we really touched on it, but having kind of the two sort of teenage female characters where you kind of at first expect they're going to kind of be rivals yeah. with guy, but instead they become like BFF straight away. And it's such a refreshing change that these two are like, you know, they're like sisters now. It's, it's something that was really, really different and good and, you know, again, those two bounce off each other really well. Like there's the escape scene from, mm-hmm. you know, going out beyond the wall was really good. It was really funny. Yeah, I I think I think that's a really good <laughs> point. That the fact that like and and the film knowingly does it right in the fact that mm. you get you get Eep kind of like looking like annoyed and he's like you're a, she's like saying to her he's like you're a girl. Mm. Like I never knew you're a and he, he, it sets you up to me, oh, it's going to be this mm. rivalry. And I'm so glad that it subverts that and yeah. they instantly, like, fall in love as friends and have this yeah. like, amazing day out and kind of, like, get get drunk on honey, essentially. And yeah. <laughs> she gets, like, the, the bee sting and stuff like that. And it's, like, it would, be, I don't know, it would be so lazy and easy to do, like, yeah. those two rivaling. The typical, at, yeah. And it it is that thing, and I think it it probably rings a bit more true as well, especially like mm. in this thing of like that like class divisions and stuff like that. That it mm. will be like the parents, like 
butting heads and it's 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 the bettermans that that mm. want guy for their daughter and stuff like that do you know what I mean? it kind of yeah. feels like something that's like lifted from like an 80s movie or something like that yeah like, and you kind of get the the um <laughs> the hint that kind of Dawn and Guy do see each other as kind of like siblings. Yeah. So, and then, you know, with Dawn and Eep becoming like best friends, it's like this big happy family is very cute. I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Um, So let's talk about, and it's probably a hard one to do for this film because he is animated. But one of the questions Mm. I always ask is, does Nick, Cage have bad hair in this film oh he does he's animated (laughs) to have bad hair it's not great hair he's even got the hair all over his chest yeah there is a joke in this there is a joke in this film that like made me very triggered um when (laughs) phil betterman says to him like (laughs) our grug you can you can take off your 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 fur pelt and he's like already Mm -hmm. have just he's got a hairy chest and He's just got a hairy chest. No word of a lie. Um, this Saturday and you just were like triggered. Yeah, this Saturday just passed. Um, I had a barbecue at my house and some people around. And somebody said to me, "Oh, you, you can take your jumper off if you want." And I was like, it's "When I saw that 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 line delivered in the cinema, I was like, ah, oh, why? Like, how? Why do I relate to Grug? Why do I like to relate to a?" caveman <laughs> you're a caveman i'm that, sorry that's it that's it i guess a big old hairy caveman um so does nick cage have a crazy voice in this film does he get to go wild with it or does he is he restrained? a little bit but not like crazy crazy yeah i think as, as we said i think he kind of has the right amount for the character exactly yeah as, as we mentioned this doesn't get to vampires kiss like kind of mm. make you questioning like well why is it in that voice or mm. <laughs> or yeah that i haven't yeah it's not like peggy sue got married where actors are like i'm not doing this film with him if he is doing that voice um so yeah i i, I agree with you it's it's a kind of restrained gauge performance mm. and i guess one of the things that many people go to a nick cage film for the 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 reels them in is does nick cage freak out in this movie yes i think he (laughs) does several times actually yeah he's very distressed over being the fish out of water with these new people Mm -hmm. he might lose his daughter you know, he's very, he's kind of being manipulated. So he does lose it a little bit a few times. Do, do, is, is there like, yeah, like. Do, I think his big freak out is when he turns full, like caveman. And yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Forehead comes out and he's so <laughs> angry. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love that kind of, especially like, because you get that thing of him, like he's been schmoozed and like in the sauna all yeah. day. And like. He's got he's got a back like essentially a back brace to make him stand up straight, and mm-hmm. he's now got a, a man <laughs> bun and stuff like that. And yeah, and I thought that yeah that that's like a, a great bit of like surreal like animation as well. Like yeah. he's like, oh, I'm going to I'm going to de-evolve into like an yeah. even like more primitive version of the 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 human I am. Um, that's so funny. <laughs> so. Is Nick Cage the greatest actor of all time? 
Yes. Perfect. Let's 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 leave that there. Um, <laughs> I think I summed up pretty much all of that. So yeah. Perfect. Well, um, yeah. Would you recommend if people have have not have not thought to check out Crude's A New Age that they that they go either I don't know, depending on where they are in the world, do they rent? Mm. Do they go to the cinema? What what, what are your thoughts? I think it's a pretty fun film to check out, especially you know if people really enjoyed the original like this is a pretty good Mm follow-up i'd say like between this and the first one i'd say they're on par like i think they're both really good films really enjoyable and fun like 100 percent. check out you know nick cage's voice acting check out (laughs) everybody else the animation it's just a fun film i really enjoyed it (laughs) yeah i guess one of the things is a lot of people like like they're pitting this up against like Luca and the Mitchells versus mm. the Machines, which is like they're but like I haven't seen Luca, but the Mitchells Machines is fantastic. But like, don't feel like they're different beasts. Do you mm. know what I mean? And I, I feel like the the Crude's New Age is it sets out what it wants to do and it does it really yeah. fun and it's it, exactly it, it perfectly manages that balance of giving everyone mm. something like that is exciting and i think there yeah. are there are jokes for everyone we're, we're mm. not not just in the fact that there are like kind of pointed jokes for adults but mm. like there's <laughs> there's weird things like the stuff i found myself laughing at was like stuff to do with like the grandma's hair and stuff like that which yeah is, like, i could definitely <laughs> see is uh, the more like probably juvenile stuff that i found funny than like mm. the jokes where they're going like here's yeah. one for the dad so if anything like yeah. that stuff's a bit more like all right i see what you're doing like a bit of an eye roll mm. here um well marcy thank you so much for coming to join me um please tell Tell me, the listeners, all about all the stuff you do and where people can find you and keep up to date with everything you're doing. Oh, goodness. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show. It was a pleasure to talk about the God, Nick Cage. <laughs> the one true uh, God. <laughs> my one true. I, th- I think I'd say he's like God tier mm-hmm. man. I, I put <laughs> Kurt Russell up in that God tier as well. Oh, yes, please. They're my, they're my men's. Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, I can be found at supermarcy.com, which is S-U-P-E-R-M-A-R-C-E-Y. That is my website, which is called The Super Network. It has all my film reviews and other people's film reviews and about a billion zillion podcasts that I do yeah. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I was finding it quite hard to keep 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 a track of like you, you've kind of just got this like it feels like every day of the week you've got like a new like podcast thing or like or yeah or like some kind of um commentaries going on stuff like that. It's, it's like it's, it's it's amazing to see. Uh, yeah, it's almost nonstop, but not. <laughs> um, we. We have one weekly podcast, which is the To Be Tuesdays podcast, mm-hmm. where we find something random on the very free streaming service Tubi, and we do like the audio commentary. Or if you're a Patreon, we do the video version. So we pretty much sit, watch a film. Usually, we haven't seen it before, um, and that's a lot of fun. We definitely enjoy that, and. All our other shows release uh, once a month. So every week in the month, we have a different show. Perfect. 
for that for that week. So I've got uh, the Super Podcast, which has been running for twelve years, wow. which is really weird to think about. Um, <laughs> But we sort of do like our bonus episodes. But every month we do a our fan voted commentary. We have a Facebook fan oh, fan group, a Facebook group where everyone kind of votes on the. We have a theme every month, so whatever Man. wins the poll, we do the commentary on. Um, we have the King Zone podcast, which is all about the Stephen King adaptations. Perfect. Uh, so we're kind of in the middle of that. And we have Podcasters of Horror, which is all about horror anthologies. <laughs> so we've just finished covering um, Masters of Horror and we're moving on to Fear Itself. So that's another one. And then finally, our latest podcast, which is called the Ozploitcast, uh, we've decided to go from the very beginning in 1970 and watch all of the Ozploitation films uh, from like the very beginning. So we've only dropped three episodes so far. Amazing. We're covering about five films per episode because there's so many. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty much me watching a lot of Australian movies I've never even heard of or seen. And it's insane. Oh, I'm going to have to hit and- you up afterwards for like, kind of like, uh, if you have like a little recommend list or something like that because this is definitely uh australian cinema like besides the kind of obvious is obvious ones are like um, it's kind of a bit of a blind spot for me so i'll be tapping you out for some exploitation yeah classics. i've noticed it probably is with a lot of people especially exploitation <laughs> being very sort of specific but also not yeah. And I'm like, wow, these movies are very interesting. Uh, <laughs> of course, there's, you know, you go back 50 years, there's, they're going to be problematic. Yeah, yeah. You kind of just have to look at it in the right way and understand what the context was then. Of course. And I don't think you need to kind of condone it, but I think the understanding kind of helps. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I have, uh, I'm on Letterboxd, I think, at super underscore Marcy, and I'm keeping tabs of 2B Tuesdays and all the other pod well, some of the other podcasts we do but i do my patreon exclusive podcast once a week i'm trying to and that is the more unfiltered adulty stuff that you know <laughs> like to offer bonus stuff to our patreons Amazing. so yeah um i do a bit of everything but pretty much if you look up super marcy or supermarcy.com you'll find everything or the super network and that's it. I, I get really awkward talking about all the things I do because I feel like there's way too many. Because, <laughs> no. you know, I've also branched out on YouTube and do like our podcast previews there, but also other stuff. And I'm just doing way too much. And I don't know how I have the time. Amazing. Well, thank you so there much for coming and getting <laughs> caged in with me. Uh, anytime. I enjoy talking about movies. I enjoy talking about Nicolas Cage. All of it. <laughs> and there we go that was my chat with super marcy all about crude a new age if you've seen this film and would like to have your say on it please don't hesitate to get in touch on all the socials so that is twitter instagram facebook and letterbox all at caged in pod or you can always drop me an email, which is cagedinpod at gmail.com. As for next week on the podcast, I'll be joined by Ella Kemp to talk about Judd Apatow's 
2009 comedy drama Funny People, which has a fantastic turn from our Coppola connection that week, which is Jason Schwartzman. It's a great chat, and uh, Ella comes up with a, a theory that I guess is out there, but I'd never heard it of kind of the film being a modern-day great Gatsby. So, yeah, that that's the kind of uh, areas we go to in that conversation. So, very much hope to see you next week for that one. As always, if you've enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Acast, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. As always, I've been Petrus Patsilovus, your guide through the crazy world of Nicolas Cage. Remember to keep it caged in, and I'll catch you next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of nonstop hydration for silky, smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. 
please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.